0: And welcome back to For Real, your podcast about documentaries. I'm Special K. I'm Matt. And boy, do we have a treat for you guys today. But first, Matt, how are you? I'm doing great,
1: buddy. I'm I'm really excited about uh, reviewing this episode today, or this documentary today. Yeah. Uh, It's a little bit more special because not only do we get to watch a documentary and, you know, come up with discussion points and stuff, but we're actually... Going to be interviewing the directors of the documentary today, mm-hmm. Matthew and Barnaby O'Connor, for mm-hmm. The Pickup Game.
0: Um, so, yeah, it's this has been in the works. This is a little treat we had for you guys planned. Uh, we've been working on this for like, I don't know, like a month, month and a half now. We had the opportunity to talk to these two guys, and uh, they are brothers. They're from, out of the UK, and they're they're filmmakers. So it was, it was, it was pretty awesome. Um, so yeah, so, uh, for the correction section, what do we have this week? So I didn't really have
1: anything for the correction section. Uh, I was kind of really just so dot, like so excited about the fact that we get to interview some directors that I didn't really go over with the fine tooth comb. I do know at one point you're struggling uh, for the word where you, you assign human attributes to animals or creatures struggling for the word it was anthropomorphize
0: oh okay well there you go uh
1: anthropomorphize I said it perfectly i don't know why i second guessed myself
0: yeah yeah i know there was a term i know there was like there's like a technical term for it but that's that's how that's why people think that like animals love us is because we give them personal like human traits when they're just animals folks they they don't love you any more than the squirrel or the or the bird Listen, or the rocks.
1: Don't don't listen to Kay. Something happened to him in his youth that just left him dead inside. I can personally attest to the fact that animals do have personalities and likes and dislikes. Uh-huh. And the only reason that Kay thinks otherwise is because he's a sociopath and animals don't like him.
0: Well, listen, I've had pets. Did I've they had like pets. you? Of course. Of course. I'll listen, like I've got I've got like. I've got eight chickens.
1: Oh, yeah. I forgot you're a, you're a chicken farmer now. I'm a
0: chicken farmer. I got eight chickens, all right? And they all love me for the most part.
1: Chickens can't love anything. Chickens are soulless monsters. <laughs> our, my snakes, on the other hand, love me. <laughs> well, one of them does. The other one hates
0: me. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so let's get to the episode. So um, <laughs> yeah. like I said, first, you guys are going to hear our interview with Matthew and Barnaby O'Connor. And then uh, stick around for after the interview for our breakdown of the documentary, the pickup game. So, uh, so stay tuned. All right, guys, today we are joined uh, by some special guests here. Uh, as you know, today we're discussing uh, the documentary, the pickup game. It was an official selection of the Toronto hot docs in 2019 the New York DOC NYC in 2019, and the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival in 2020. We are joined today by the directors and writers of The Pickup Game, brothers Matthew and Barnaby O'Connor. Welcome, guys. How are you?
2: Good. Thank you for having us on. And hello to all the listeners.
0: Great, great, great. Yeah, so um, before we get into The Pickup Game, um, what made you guys get into documentary filmmaking?
2: Originally, we started making independent film, um, and we'd kind of write... we say narrative stories and drama comedy-esque kind of pieces and um, we kind of went out on a very shoestring budget uh, filmed edited um, pretty much everything and um, those kind of independent films didn't really go anywhere special and then we finally decided that we would make a film up as we went along and a behind the scenes documentary about the making of that film and that was the first ever documentary that we actually produced. Um, and coincidentally, we took an actor from the UK, we flew to New York, completely off, you know, off grid and you know, off spec. We created a film every single day with all of the dialogue and the scenes and the locations. And then we drove from New York to LA, um, wow. and we made it up as we went along. And that's how we, first time that we went through Chicago Um, and yeah and and that spawned our kind of documentary path
3: so what so what happened is we didn't tell the actors that that's what we were doing so they didn't know that we were making it up as we went along um we We
2: we carnage ensued, it was a disaster. We, we, but.
3: we kind of told them, Look, this is our process. I mean, it's a testament yeah. to how trusting actors can be, but we kind of said, Look, this is our process. Blah blah blah.
2: We lost um, a, few we, we did, a few actors on the way.
3: We did lose a few actors.
2: <laughs> they were like, Can we see the script? and we we're like, Well, it's going to be. You know, um before sunrise, but after sunset or whatever it is, you know, kind of a little bit improv. Uh, it didn't fly. And I would say it was the documentary is hilarious because yeah. there's Matt and I, I mean, I think Matt had quite a few nervous breakdowns. And I was trying to be pragmatic and go like, it's okay, it's okay, because we've got the documentary. <laughs> yeah.
0: You got a plan B. So yeah. So, had you guys, so I was undertaking a trip from, from one coast to the other filming this. Had you guys ever been to the United States before that prior?
3: Yeah, we'd been to visit. And so okay, we knew we'd, we'd been to New York. Um, we, we had a friend of ours who was, um, he used to be a commercial truck driver. Um, and then he started a business importing. Um, he, he started his own business so we kind of traveled around with him and we so we'd been to a lot of the, of the kind of yeah and a lot of the places that actually people from the from England and Europe they don't you know they know New York they know LA maybe but we got to see some of the other parts of the US it was really interesting
2: actually yeah Syracuse yeah. Um, lots of other places but um, I think one of the things that kicked off that idea was because we were kind of struggling artists We said, right, okay, we've got two and a half thousand each. How do we make a film that we can't be bothered to sit down and write a script and everything? And then we're like, ah, it's two dollars to the pound. So our five grand turned into ten sure. so we were like oh yeah you know we'll just go to america and it will be twice as cheap <laughs> <laughs> And then we, we arrived in new york and like one of the one of the locations was like yeah of course you can film in our cafe it's going to be a minimum of 10 grand deposit plus you know five grand per half hour minimum rental of four hours and we were like Ah, okay. This is going to be a little harder than we originally anticipated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was like three of us living in a hostel room that was supposed to be for like one.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, on
2: floors and stuff. But it was yeah, it was. Um,
1: it was good fun. So, so you guys have, so uh, you guys have obviously worked together in the past, and because my question was going to be, I've got six siblings, and we can't even decide on a, a birthday gift for our parents together. I, I was going to ask how it was working on a video or on a movie together.
3: No, I, I, do you know what? I don't, I, I've never found it. To, I think there's a couple of things. I think, first of all, um, you get to a point very quickly where you don't take feedback personally with each other. Uh, I know that, I know that Barnaby will always be a hundred percent candid with me. And when we do occasionally have, uh, we do sometimes have big disputes that turn into arguments. But it it's just like fine; you just leave it. You're not worried about that's that's never going to damage our relationship. You know, mm-hmm. a disagreement well, about yeah. So, All, so although
2: the only thing I will add to that is everyone's had a family dispute before. Yeah, and from an outsider looking in you're probably like, oh, my God, um, you know, there's something really serious going on. There have been one or two, uh, shall we say, creative differences that we've had, and other people have been present and Mm. not really been able to gauge exactly what was going on. (laughs) 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 It was a little bit embarrassing from our side, but, you know, it's
1: it's part of that creative process, isn't Mm. it? It always looks it always looks worse from the outside when you're <laughs> yeah. you are arguing. Yeah, we can say things to each other. that Everybody else is like, "Oh my god!"
3: I mean, yeah. the thing is, I
1: I also I mean it, I I will talk to
3: Barnaby in a way that I would never talk to anybody else. Yeah, in in the sense that I want you know
2: you always want to be professional, and everything. You always want to try and be professional. <laughs> you but, idiot! But, but sometimes sometimes that
3: goes out the window, and I think I think from a from an, again, from an outsider's perspective, I could quite easily imagine people saying, like, "Oh my God, this is terrible, toxic environment here."
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> but it, it, that's just between us; that stays between us.
0: Cool. Good. Um, all right, so let's let's get into uh, the pickup game then. Uh, what is it that first drew you guys uh, to the pickup industry? It made you guys want to examine that more?
3: So, I mean, I can talk about from this is this is quite. a uh, I, I think the thing is, it's a fascinating world to get into. Um, there's a lot of things uh, about um, the the human condition that kind of come out in the pickup industry. Um, you know, I've sort of said this before, but things like wanting to find someone, wanting to find a partner, wanting to be desirable, wanting to be attractive, wanting to be popular. I mean, these are all kind of basic, really, really basic drives. And... And how that kind of plays out and how that manifests itself in, in the pickup industry and in the pickup world is is really interesting. And also there's, it's it's kind of, it's a bit of a rabbit hole. You know, once you start looking at some, you know, if you can find one person online and then you just sort of fall down the rabbit hole and then there's a whole community and this community is what they refer to themselves as and like a whole world to be explored.
2: mm mm-hmm. To to add to that as well, um, I mean, the documentary touches on quite a number of topics. Um, And I think the thing is, it also looks into there is there's clearly a need that the students are looking for something to fill in their life, be that emotionally, be that, um, you know, with friends, sense of community, looking for, um, you know, somebody to act as a role model in their life. And so I think the documentary also looks into the causes that kind of push people into searching for sort of an answer that they, they believe the pickup industry can, can kind of provide for them. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You guys did a really good job of expressing that on the, uh, on the documentary. Uh, I didn't, I didn't really tie in uh, why people were doing this until a guy started talking about how, you know, we, some of us didn't have fathers or a male role model And this is, you know, we got to, now we have a a role model.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I think that's, and I think that's, but that's sort of, that's, that's part of a much bigger, like seeing that in the pickup industry and seeing it in people that are attracted
1: to pickup. I think that's also a thing that goes across society. So when you guys were going around you're talking to everybody and you're interviewing all these people, like what was the most surprising Thing you learned about the industry while you're going through this process. Mm. Well, like, there was a lot of. Sorry, go on. Buddy.
2: No, go. But you go first, and I'll, I'll jump in. I mean, in terms,
3: surprise, there was a lot of things where you just, where you just can't believe what you're seeing or what you're, what you're recording. Or I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of sh- stuff in the documentary that's, that's really shocking and kind of arresting. Um, and that used to happen on almost like a daily basis when we were actually filming. You know, or a whole bunch of things would happen. You just think, oh my God, I can't believe we just I can't believe we just got that. Um, yeah. yeah. It's 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 quite in, in but in terms of in terms of surprising things. I think it was it was actually how dissatisfied a lot of the pickup instructors are with their life because they're selling, they're selling um, they're selling a dream essentially. They're selling mm-hmm. they are the the product. And when you spend a bit of time with them, they—they they kind of a lot of them are sort of dissatisfied and restless and kind of miserable in some ways. And I think that was, and that's really ironic that there's all these people paying all this money because that's the lifestyle they think they want. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense.
2: I think one of sort of the things for me was the level of kind of psychological manipulation that was going on. And I think, um, you know, way back from sort of the early 80s when Ross Jeffries took NLP, um, so Neuro Linguistic Programming, which is essentially a healing tool and applied it to sales, marketing and seduction. Um, I think when you start kind of looking into the applications of that, you see, okay, you know, the sales is a pyramid scheme the indoctrination of kind of their, their patterns and their process, um, you know, and this spans outside of the pickup industry into politics, into marketing. And it, it was quite interesting to, to learn a bit more about that side of things and how lots and lots of kind of psychological techniques are being used in order to manipulate people um, to, to think a certain way, behave a certain way, um, and act a certain way. <clears throat> and that stems across the instructors, the students, um, the, you know, the business, um, and kind of life in general. So,
0: so speaking of the pickup artists, one thing this documentary does very well, and I'll commend you guys on is You guys really got them to be open. I was surprised at how cooperative they appeared. So how, like, how did these guys react when you guys approached them to be in this film and how did you guys get them to be so open and cooperative?
3: And they Well, so what happened was we, basically we sent a lot of, when we decided we were going to do a documentary about this, we sent a lot of emails out and we, the first person we interviewed, the first sort of big name uh, that we interviewed was uh, Ross Jeffries, who is kind of referred to as the godfather of pickup. And I think once we got him, um, once we'd interviewed him, then we could go to other people and say... Well, we interviewed Ross Jeffries, we're making a documentary, and, and that gave us some credibility and that, and that sort of other people were, were kind of, okay, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll speak to you. Um, what, what we said was that we would not deliberately misrepresent anyone's opinion. So I was kind of like, look, we, we will, as accurately as possible, represent your views in the way that you represent them to us. And there was a few conversations um, with some of them where, uh, for example, there's the, for the people that haven't seen it, but there's the kind of, well, we just call it the tattoo story. Um, and I remember saying to that pickup instructor, listen, just so that you're clear, if we put this in a documentary, people are going to go bonkers. And I just want you to know that because I don't want you to come back to me when this comes out and say, well, you made me look bad. You know, this is, this is. Um, kind of full disclosure up front a lot of them i mean a lot of their marketing is shock value Mm -hmm. a lot of them don't care if people like them or not a lot of them don't it's not you know being accepted or uh, acceptable behavior it's 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 this kind of mentality of we live outside the mainstream Mm -hmm. we live outside social norms we make our own social norms um so i think and also, when we when we were doing all the filming this was pre I mean me too's been around as a movement for quite a long time but this was pre me too becoming a, a the kind of household name that it is now and so I, I, I think that there weren't really any consequences for this kind of behavior in the way that there are now um, so they were they were kind of I mean that's how they that's how they attracted followers that's how they got clicks that's it was you know outrageous shocking behavior
0: how so you know, obviously you gave, uh, I think that was the guy from New York, right? Wayne with the the tattoo story. Justin Wayne. Justin yeah, Wayne. Justin, yeah. yeah. So how did they react overall to how they were portrayed? I mean, did they, did, I imagine some of them probably saw this as like a marketing opportunity for them, but how did, did, did anybody come back to you? Were they unhappy with how it was portrayed or were they pretty satisfied with how they came across?
3: Well, the thing is, I mean, we didn't, I, I It's hard to speak from their point. Justin um, wrote to me shortly before the documentary came out and advice had actually just done a piece on him
1: Mm -hmm.
3: and they'd made it look like he was paying girls to be his girlfriend and go on camera. And so they kind of implied that he was fake. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is the, this is more of a thing for Justin than than unacceptable behavior. It's like from his point of view, he doesn't want to be seen as fake. He doesn't mind if the behavior drives people, you know, if people are outraged by the behavior, but he doesn't want to be seen as fake. And he kind of emailed me and he and he, and he sort of contacted me and he said, "Look, I, I know your documentary is coming out. Did you make me look fake? Did you make me look like?" Um, and I said, "No, I didn't." You know, so and to be on because you know, the 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 the, ter- the 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 truth about this kind of thing is, and it's a very uncomfortable fact, you know there are people that do respond to this kind of behavior Mm -hmm. and there are people that can be sort of uh, controlled or taken advantage of in this way. I mean, it's not, um, so as far as everybody else, we haven't really heard from, we've had a lot of, um, kickback from people that are followers of pickup and we had, um, a cease and desist order from real social dynamics, tried to block the documentary from coming out. So, I mean, there was quite a lot of, um, uh, Hoo ha! Sure, <laughs> shall we sure. say? Yeah, I don't know if Barnes has anything to add.
2: Um, no, I mean, no one, no one has contacted us, shall we say, directly with their mm. feedback from the pickup industry. Um, I mean, one of one of the the odd kind of things that that you experience as a as a filmmaker, or documentary filmmaker, is that. The, there are lots of opinions out there. So, the documentary has been slammed by the pickup industry. Um, we've been trolled online um, mm. and so on and so forth for the documentary. The trailer clips are kind of, um, shall we say, um, promotion of of the film itself. And then we've also kind of experienced um, some negative comments as to you know allowing these kind of people to have a platform with which to talk to the public um you know so there have been lots of kind of shall we say um split opinions on the documentary Mm -hmm. um but no one in particular um has kind of you know got back to us to say look we feel that you've misrepresented us in any way or you know what we said is is not actually true um and kind of going back to what matt said is that you know as as filmmakers with Pretty much every film that we've done or documentary is that we're we're representing what is going on. We're not really manufacturing something to be interesting because it, life is interesting enough as it is, and it creates enough conversations and discussions and differences of opinion. Um, you know, we try very very hard not to manipulate that reality for our own ends. Um, I'm sure that the pickup industry was not particularly happy as to, you know, the later part of the documentary where we look into some of the slightly more negative outcomes of that kind of behavior and that mentality, but it does happen and it's something that needs to be, uh, monitored, um, and, and kind
1: of changed. Absolutely. So aside from Andrew, the, the student that was, the student like most featured in the film did you guys spend a lot of time talking to any of the, any of the other students like what was their general feeling on the industry after they'd gone through the process
3: well we we i mean and this is this is one of the weird things of doing a documentary like this is you know we lived with these people we went and stayed with them for uh, sometimes a week or two at a time and that includes the students because with some of the boot camps it's a kind of live-in boot camp um a lot of the students are like Andrew. I mean, that's kind of why he's in there. He's, he's quite a good, uh, representation of what a lot of people that, that come into the pickup industry. Um, you know, it's, 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 I, I get it from the student's point of view. And I, I, the, the need is, is genuine, you know, some of these people are either heartbroken or they're totally confused, they have not, you know, they're very poor social skills. But then simultaneously, some of them are, are totally fine in terms of the only thing they're missing is a little bit of self-belief. And I think that's also in a very roundabout way what we're trying to communicate in the documentary. And, and one of the, in terms of the surprising thing, actually, when you say, uh, what, just to your question earlier, there were lots and lots of students I met that paid a lot of money to go on these courses and i just felt well you don't need this you're you you can already talk to you just you can really talk to people you have uh, uh, a lot going for you and all you need is, is just a, an element of self belief and um yeah and I, I, I do think there are there are students that get into it and they, they sort of dabble in it and then they kind of realize okay this isn't this isn't maybe this isn't such a good and then they kind of back away or they meet someone or um, and, and then they kind of drop it and 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 essentially you know move on with their life essentially. Um, but the other side of that, and really the documentary is a cautionary tale in many ways, is if you 're not careful there's all kinds of deep holes that you can fall into with this lifestyle because it's very it's quite compelling and it's very addictive and it feeds like all our most basic Mm-hmm. Ego and and all of those like really basic things that, that kind of need to be reined in a little bit. <laughs> you know?
0: yeah, it's like the lizard, the lizard brain oh. stuff. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. To, to add to that as well is that I think the thing is is the longer that you look at these companies and the the more you meet the students, you can quite quickly gauge which ones have essentially passed that barrier of no return um there is a very kind of glazed look in the eye um, you know constantly staring at you without kind of looking away uh, <clears throat> behavior and and so forth that it, it is a little bit unnerving sometimes um, because what you've essentially got is hundreds of people all trying to be exactly the same all trying to follow a particular pattern in order to kind of should we say engage you or build uh, rapport and so on and so forth so it, it is a, a little bit of a, a shame as well um, sometimes when you're in that environment because you kind of sit there and you think, well, you know, one, it's a little bit, should we say, scary mm-hmm. um, to, to kind of look at lots of people in behaving in this particular way is almost cult-like. Um, and the other is that, you know, you're not looking at an individual anymore. It's essentially looking at a robot who is just going to parrot back what they've been taught in a pattern that they've been taught it. Um, and so it's a shame when you look at somebody like <clears throat> um, we call him Nemo, um, <clears throat> the student in the documentary, you know, he still had that kind of joie de vivre excited about kind of life. So I don't think he was yet at a point where he couldn't kind of walk away. Um, I think that the difficulty comes when somebody is so engrossed into that lifestyle that they just kind of, they get a little bit too carried away um, and should probably seek some
0: kind of help. Sure. Yeah. Um, a real bright spot in the documentary here, somebody who provided a lot of insight, kind of, she kind of represented the, the positive of what this industry could be on a positive spectrum is uh, Minnie Lane, um, who I believe is a dating coach in the UK. Uh, how did you guys, how did you guys get in contact with Minnie? Or how did you guys find Minnie to be part of this?
3: So one of the most difficult things about so in making the documentary it was kind of this thing of okay how do we end it, or how do we, how do we what's the alternative? You know I mean okay finally you, you understand pickup is it's got all all kinds of issues with sort of following the pickup lifestyle, but what's what's the alternative? What is a healthier way or what is a, a, like a better way a less dehumanizing way of doing it? And um, what happened was I actually heard her on a podcast uh, called Diapers Off, which is which is a really interesting podcast. Um, sorry, I'm sure this podcast is also very interesting. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't have I, to plug other podcast. I'm no, sorry. it's fine. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. you cut that bit, yeah. you. You bit out if you. Want. But, no, no, no. Uh, they, they, they don't do any new series. They, they, it was like a limited series podcast, and I mm-hmm. heard her on, and I heard her talking about it, and um, she was talking about this thing of. Uh, it's this idea that if you ask each guy uh, what he thinks women want, every guy will tell you something different. Every guy has their own image of, okay, this is what women want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there might be some overlap, but, um, and she was kind of talking about, okay, so we're, you're aspiring to be this thing, which is, is, is kind of largely quite subjective and is largely a fabrication of your own mind. Um, and I just thought, wow, that's really interesting Point, and that's a really interesting observation. Let's let's go and speak to her and interview her. Um, so 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 we did. I arranged to meet her. I, I know the people that uh, made the the, the who did the interview. I arranged to meet her, and went, and, and she was very, um, she was quite nervous about being involved in the documentary, just because obviously pickup is such a controversial subject. Um, so it took it took a while, but but eventually i think we and also it became a process of sort of working together where she would she would give us suggestions we would show her cuts from the film she would kind of say okay maybe we could try this maybe we could try that and one of the things that's really interesting is she has had probably more backlash than anybody else as a result of the documentary coming out
0: oh wow but but
3: the most interesting thing is she's actually trying to help her message is directed at a lot of these students mm-hmm. she's trying to help them but they see it as she's trying to take something away from them um because she's challenging their worldview, basically mm-hmm. but that's how she got involved
0: okay the, um, the,
1: uh, oh, sorry, the to,
2: when we kind of got into or started researching the the pickup industry we kind of looked at it and said, right, okay, this is kind of what we know so far. We knew that the book, the game had come out and the characters that were involved in that. And then we sort of sat there and said, right, okay, we can't really continue unless we look at the history and where did it come from, how did it get started and kind of how did it lead us to where we are today? And as we kind of continued to work on it, that's how we kind of started to develop the story narrative We didn't come up with an idea straight away to go, okay, this is how we're going to structure the documentary. This is what's going to be in it. This is how it's going to end. It was that the more people that we met and the more people that we got introduced to, we kind of looked at the industry as a whole and all of the different players. So Minnie is a good example. Also Paul Janka, who were people that had kind of detached themselves slightly from the pickup industry. And okay, Minnie Lane is a dating coach. She's not part of the pickup industry. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, okay, they had both, should we say, started in in that kind of environment. And what what were the elements that they felt pushed them away and what was their kind of message? And I think once we started listening to some other people who had managed to detach themselves from the industry, that gave us a much clearer um, path in our narrative as well of how we can include... Um, their opinions and their story in a positive fashion.
1: You said that Minnie's gotten a lot more backlash than probably you guys have. Do you think that's because she's been on the inside or do you think that's because the whole, I mean, I feel like a lot of this industry is based on misogyny and the teachings itself are telling you like how to control women and how to, change what they what they're thinking about you so do you think they're after her because she's a woman telling it like it is uh on the documentary because I, I thought you know personally when i was watching i thought she was you know really educational and she sounded like she had a lot of good points and i didn't feel like she was a, so much attacking the industry as explaining a lot of really toxic parts of it so i mean do you think, like I said, do you think it's because she's a woman, or do you think it's because she was a part of the industry? My, I
3: mean, it's hard for me. My gut instinct is more that she's the face. She's the moral. She's kind of the face of the documentary, in the sense that we're we're not in the documentary, obviously. Although we although we kind of put it together, we're not. Uh, we're not. Although although we have also had, you know, some people have made some videos attacking us, and um, but I. I I don't think, to be to be fair, although I, I, I can't say for sure, I don't think it's because she's a woman. I think it's more because she's the face of the documentary and she's challenging their behaviors. I think it is important that she is a woman because obviously she has a completely different perspective on what these people are doing because she sees it from the other side. Um,
2: I think also, uh, and this may help answer that question as well, um, this is just my opinion on on the situation, is that if you look at Paul Janker as a good example, is that even before the documentary came out, he'd exited from the pickup industry. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing is, because there's quite a number of kind of cultish elements to this, it's kind of we are the enlightened ones, we are against the social norms, we will show you, you know, the the true way that it should be and how you should behave to, to succeed. And I think if you come out of that, or if you question it in any way, <clears throat> there are quite a number of people that will attack you solely for that reason. Mm-hmm. And all Janka, when he left the pickup industry, um, I think prior to that, he was quite, um, he was incredibly successful and probably one of the top um, instructors within the industry. Mm-hmm. As soon as he dropped, dropped it and said, that's it, I'm done. He was attacked for being, you know, a loser. He sold out. Um, There there are a number of different kind of uh, words that they use for people that are no longer in pickup and, you know, the beta male. And and he got kind of, um, should we say, flamed online um, because of that. So I think anyone, to to bring it back to, to Minnie, is that anyone that exits the business or anyone that says anything contrary to to the beliefs will will by that very nature have quite a number of people that that will kind of um, troll them a line and, and be very pissed off that they're saying anything negative or contrary to whatever it is that they've been told to believe.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I imagine, um, like I said, because you guys were obviously... Exposing the truth of the situation. And then towards the end, you guys show that the, the darker side of it, the darkest side of it, I would say, where it crosses the boundary between just kind of brutish behavior to criminal behavior. And now you see like with the rise of this incel subculture, the incel ideology has been kind of the driving force between acts of violence. Um, I believe there was a shooting in the UK last month mm-hmm. where the guy had mm-hmm. Incel beliefs or he believed he had been quote unquote blackpilled or whatever that is. So what what was what was the hardest part of making this documentary for you guys? Like what what was the most difficult thing?
3: I think I think there's a if I could just go I think there's a c I think the documentary itself was very difficult to make from a story point of view because it's a very complicated story. You're trying to tell the story of something over 40, 50 years. From the 1980s to present day, you don't have a single character to follow. So you've got to, you've got to, the the, the character is the pickup industry, essentially. Mm-hmm. And you've got to try and find a way. But I think, in terms of just what you were saying about when it crossed over to the going to um, dealing with that last part of the uh, documentary and going and reading the when it becomes criminal and reading the, the police reports and speaking to um that that was a that was a deeply unpleasant experience um yeah so i think that was emotionally that was that was the most difficult thing from from the point of view of craft if you want to call it that or whatever you know story you're trying that the hardest thing was trying to decide okay how do we tell this story in a way that people can follow and understand and be engaged with um that was very it was very very challenging because like I said, it's not a singular person's story or, a, or the story of a singular event. That's from my side, anyway.
2: Um, I think also, and this is quite a tricky um, kind of conversation, is that although, you know, what we're kind of showing in the, in the documentary is specifically based to the pickup industry, you could, in theory, um, lump every single dating coach into that bucket and I think it's it's quite important to say that, okay, not everyone out there <clears throat> who is offering help uh, is going to be a nefarious character with um, no scruples. Um, it's it's one of the things within the documentary is kind of, you have to be very wary of which of these, shall we say, you know, online gurus that you choose to follow and, you know, whether or not they are qualified um, to kind of help you Um, both, you know, um, through education or through experience. Um, One of, kind of, Matt is totally correct in um, in kind of um, what he just mentioned, but also I think we were, you know, subjected to lots of videos, lots of, you know, the sales pitch, the mantra, day in, day out, for, you know, going on for three years, Um, in the field and then one year editing and listening to you know some very kind of uh, good marketers day in day out spew the same mantra over and over and over again it does get incredibly tiring um, to kind of sit through that um, on a daily basis in order to get through the editing Um, so that was quite that was quite tricky as well
1: what do you think was the most important message of the film as far as the the finished product as far as as far as the whole system are you are you saying the whole system is bad or, or are you saying maybe that there's some some good aspects to it how would you how would you phrase that
3: i think i think part of the issue is does it's kind of the semantics of it in the sense is like okay what is pickup are we including is mini lane included in the pickup industry because if she is then i i think mini I think what many teaches, which is honesty and authenticity, I mean, I, I don't have any issue with that. If she's not, if she's a dating coach, from my understanding, when we talk about pickup, we are talking more primarily about those, um, the, the, those kind of hard, the, the hard sell companies that are trying to get people in, that are trying to upsell them on products that are that are sort of pushing this lifestyle, that are that are anything that is. Um, Hundred percent success guaranteed. Yeah, Um, you know, there's yeah, or with elements of like dishonesty and and I think I think in terms of that, I I don't think that is a good choice from a life from a from a, a lifestyle point of view, and the and for lots and lots of reasons, and that's kind of what the documentary is trying to express. Is like, look, these are the potential risks. Is everybody that signs up to a pickup class gonna become a criminal and end up spending eight years in jail? No, they're not. But even those people that don't, there's there's still all kinds of things that you know. There's the the sort of the dehumanization of yourself in trying to become the alpha male ideal that they push. Um, There's the 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 financial thing. You know, there's kind of the the addictive nature of the lifestyle of going out there's the kind of dehumanization of women in terms of it becomes very much like a game and 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 a sort of a sport and how many numbers did you get and then what's your you know how many lays did you get this this week and but um and so i think in terms of that that's not something that i would advocate but again not for immediately obvious reasons there's 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 the obvious reasons and then there's all the other reasons,
2: which is kind of what the documentary is trying to explore. To, to quickly add to that as well, um, is that one of the things that I've kind of felt within my time looking at the pickup industry is that I think any company that arranges a free seminar for three or four hundred people um, should probably be avoided. <laughs> because because essentially you are just a number and it is a funneling system of sales where I can almost guarantee it will start with a story that kind of resembles a little bit your life and you can kind of associate with them. And then slowly, slowly, slowly it will get to the end where they will say, sign up now. You can pay it on layaway, or I'm not quite sure how you how you explain it in America, but you you know you pay in instalments and this and the other. And, and it's, it's basically a sales pitch. Um, those companies I would avoid with uh, as much distance as you possibly can do, because there's not enough personal, um, you know, contact and, and dealings in that environment because it's just a money train. And I think when, when money outweighs, um, you know, the kind of, education and you know um kind of help that's when you become a dollar sign and not an individual
0: um, sure yeah, yeah buyer buyer beware right like, mm. uh, like ross said <laughs> I, exa-
3: I am extremely wary of any self-help uh any uh, just after this I, it's funny and you see that you see the business model is not exclusive to pickup. you see it being sure. applied in all kinds of other industries
0: yeah mm-hmm.
1: Well, I've always I've always thought that too is is with the self-help industry these people are you know trying to tell you how to change your lifestyle how to do things uh, in a better way and I I've always wondered like well how how happy are these people you know that they're, they're telling you all this but are these people actually happy or are they good people or uh, you know whatever else and I feel like this documentary really brought to bear how I mean, a lot of the gurus, the guys that are actually selling this, this, this lifestyle aren't happy, which is totally understandable. I feel like the whole, like you said, the whole thing was, they're dehumanizing women, they're dehumanizing themselves, they're shutting off basic parts of the human experience to, to live this life. And at the end of the day, they're not any happier than the, the random guy in the street, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think also like there's so much pressure. You know, more in a sense to just become that X,
3: Y, Z thing mm-hmm. that we, I think it's almost, almost, I don't know, it's just almost part of society now. If, if I can just be X or Y or Z, um, or even
2: become a, a social media sensation.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. Is, you know, they, they even have university degrees now of, you know, how to become an, an influencer. And mm-hmm. it's like, um, okay, that, that to me sounds a little bit, you know, far face, but maybe I'm just old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, And I don't understand it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I always wonder, like, what's the game plan? Like, okay, so you're like, uh, you're a hot young 20-something-year-old. What's, what's your plan at 40? What are you, you going to do then? But, yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's just the society we're living in today. Uh, so, after this film, what do you guys have planned next?
2: I would love to say a vacation. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We were planning
2: one until, you know, COVID hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: um, so we are currently involved in a film called Ten Count, um, which is about sports uh, mental health in elite sports athletes. Um it has uh, the I mean I the this is kind of how I always say when I pitch it to people is it's got Dwayne Johnson in it, it's got The Rock in it. Mm-hmm. Um but that's I mean that's a great kind of in, but it's a very interesting film kind of in and of its own right. So that's nearly finished. That's about 80, 85% of the way through finishing. Um, And
2: it tackles kind of um, mental health issues um, that kind of lead to kind of suicide and Mm. and the effects of that. And, you know, it's quite sort of timely, um, I think, and quite an important subject um, that needs to be talked Mm. about. And I think the thing is, is I think having it come from, shall we say, role models such as The Rock um, and other kind of famous athletes, maybe that actually helps um, the everyday person on the street um, to kind of deal with their issues and you know seek help and seek um, kind of, uh, shall we say, societies or organizations that, that can try and help you um, in your time of need. I
0: look, I look forward, forward to watching that. that. Yeah, I look forward to it. It sounds great. Yeah, we'll be happy. We can send you
1: the... I'm um, happy to send it to you. Yeah. Oh,
0: that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. Absolutely. I was just
1: gonna say maybe we can interview you guys, interview <laughs> you guys on that next. <laughs> absolutely. I, I fancy
2: another road trip documentary. Sort of okay. Anthony, Anthony
1: Bourdain style. Um, you know. There you go. <laughs> well, if if, if, if you're, you're gonna pick America, skip the middle part. It's all flat and boring. <laughs> no, I like Middle America. <laughs> no, <it's not laughs> right. Right. Yeah, the, the thing is, we love country
2: music. It's really, oh, okay. weird. oh yeah. really? Oh, yeah. because yeah. Big Steve is, the, is our trucker friend, okay. and um, we've driven cross country with him a couple of times. And I think from the first time that we ever drove across country with him, I think we went to Arizona um, mm. to, to do a kind of dual. Uh, you know um i don't know what you call it like expo and we we got hooked on country music so for years i mean we're talking like almost decades we've been listening to american country music online we can sing all the kenny chesney and everything else is like yeah, you know um yeah
0: oh man so. That's wonderful. Well, I'm, I'm glad we're adding something to the world. I'm glad we yeah. can contribute. <laughs> I'm glad we can still contribute.
1: We, we finally sent out something positive. Yeah. 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 I, lo- I love my country.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I think that's it guys. Matt, you have anything else?
1: No, no, this has been great. I, I, we really appreciate you guys doing this with us. No, yeah, thank no, you, man. it a, 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 yep. a pleasure.
0: All right. Thanks. All right, hey, that was something, huh?
1: Yeah, So that's our very first, uh, our very first director interview. Actually, it's kind of, it's definitely our first interview at all because we've had guests, but we haven't really interviewed anybody.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was our first like true blue interview. So, oh. um, yeah, really cool. But anyway, so let's get let's get into our, our breakdown and review of the documentary. So. Like we said, we've been talking about The Pickup Game. Uh, It was released in 2019 in Canada. That was a world premiere. It was released in the United States uh, in 2020. Uh, It is a one hour, 36 minutes long. And the synopsis on IMDb is that The Pickup Game is an inside look at the emergence of the pickup industry, a business where self-styled seduction coaches travel the world, charging a small fortune to teach men skills they claim will guarantee success with women. Well, so this is, um, this was an interesting, interesting doc. I will say that off the, off the top here. Before watching this documentary, how aware of this industry uh, were you?
1: Uh, well, I wasn't, I mean, I saw the movie Hitch. We all saw it. Mm-hmm. Great movie. Excellent uh, movie. Yes. But uh, beyond that, and that just, you know, it was a movie. I mm-hmm. realized that that'd be something that people would do in real life. And these clowns are out there looking like uh Jersey Shore sh- sh- uh, show rejects just trying to teach men how to pick up women.
0: Before watching this documentary, I had heard of like a pickup, what a pickup artist was. Again, like you mentioned, there's that movie Hitch. There's also that movie, I don't remember what year it came out, but it was Billy Bob Thornton and the kid from Napoleon Dynamite, School for Scoundrels.
1: I don't think I saw that one.
0: Okay. So it, it was essentially like, I think it was like this, but I think it was more like uh uh, to teach you confidence to like how to be a man, like, a, you know, whatever. Oh, but yeah. I can't remember if it was like explicitly to pick up girls. I can't remember. Maybe it was. But um, so I, listen, this is we this has been known. But I think that uh, the way this documentary kind of puts it is that some of the details and some of the more um, nitty gritty stuff about this industry really uh, kind of flew under the radar for quite a long time. As it stated in the documentary, it kind of started, the industry was kind of birthed in the 80s. There's this guy who is featured in the documentary. He is interviewed named Ross Jeffries, uh, which I think is an alias. Y'all go by like fake names, but um, okay. yeah. yeah. So he writes a book. Or so I've heard. <laughs> he writes a book um, and, and it kind of comes up with this this strategy to hook up with women and he uses uh, this thing called NLP, which stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. Uh, and it is
1: the creepiest way to use a psychological tool that I could possibly think of. I'm, <laughs> it is so off putting how these guys are like this, this nerd, okay, goes and reads a bunch of books about nonverbal cues and all this. Other like crazy social, I don't know, what's what I'm looking for? Social like signs, mm-hmm. I guess.
0: Like body and, language and that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: yeah. So he, he yeah. He goes social, he learns,
0: social cues and that kind social of Social cues and body
1: language, everything else. And he's using this, this, which I'm sure is not what the research was originally intended for, to pick up women. And it is, he just comes off like the scummiest of scum.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, he kind of, he's, they they consider him like the godfather of this industry. I think he ends up eventually like in the internet age, he founds a website, seduction.com, I think, or is some kind of relation to seduction.com. And early on, like when this was an internet thing, again, it was an underground kind of subculture. It was a community. They consider themselves a community even to this day. I think there's this guy they talk about, or they talk to in the documentary he goes by the name, uh, mystery and he's a magician from Toronto, uh, originally and him and some friends, they, they do this thing, they, they, dub project Hollywood where essentially they move to this mansion in Hollywood <laughs> and him and I think it's like four or five roommates and they all like basically use this like pickup artistry, this NLP kind of stuff. They try to like meet girls and then they post about their exploits online on like these forums and I, they, fill, they fill out these, what they call field reports and lay reports to kind of like let people know like how they're doing with women in the world.
1: This guy's the magician. All right. Yeah. Everybody knows he doesn't have to learn NLP. Close up magic is the fastest way to a woman's heart. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah a, rat, I, I, a, rat, a, a bird out of your sleeve. Yeah, women are going to go home with you.
0: I'm going to have a general comment about all these these fine gentlemen here towards the end, but just keep in mind. Like I said, this guy's name his name's Mystery. Not his real name, but his alias nickname is Mystery, and um, and he's a he's a magician and a pickup yeah. artist. Yeah, guru. Well, the the
1: real magic is the fact that this creepy, creepy guy could pick up women.
0: <laughs> so. Uh, one of these guys that's in this house, his name is Neil Strauss. And basically at one point mystery ends up having like a breakdown over like a, some kind of cheating thing where one of the guys in the house is sleeping with this girl who he recently uh, broke up he, with or something.
1: He broke up with his girlfriend and the same day his friend slept with her.
0: Yeah. And so that he had like a mental breakdown, which he ends up going to the, I think he went to go get to the hospital to get some help or something. And one of the other guys in the house is Neil Strauss Um, was like trying to help him with it help him through it whatever but then shortly after or sometime after i guess neil ends up releasing a book titled the game and what was happening is that neil was secretly writing this book the entire time he was living with these guys just basically detailing their exploits and how they would manipulate women and how this whole pickup artist thing works and this book pretty much like blew up and it exposed the industry uh, and I think like they said, in the documentary, a lot of these guys, they thought for sure this was the end of it. When in reality, it just kind of like poured gas in on the fire. Because then other people who were desperate for affection or whatever guys who felt like they couldn't talk to women. They just like, they realized that there's somebody out there who claims to be able to help them with that. And it kind of just started like all the, this cascade of all these different training programs. And so, I mean, it just, Became this gigantic this, piece this, of industry.
1: This was all prior to the Me Too movement. I just want to throw that out there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: because uh, if you watch this documentary, you're going to see these guys do a lot of things where you're like, that shit would not fly in 2021.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, so the documentary does go into more of, then it goes into like the more modern stuff where it talks about how these guys pretty much just really expanded onto YouTube and social media platforms. And that's, and there's a, several guys in here. I guess I'll mention some of their names. I'm not gonna mention everybody that's featured, but like, there's this dude named um, RSD. I think Maximilian or Maximilian Berger. Uh, Berger. Oh. RSD RSD's Real Social Dynamics. You know, he's he's prominently featured in this documentary. He makes some outlandish comments. I mean, he's just yeah, he's a real piece of work. Um, it talks about some of their their tactics, some of their skills. One thing that I thought was um, pretty pretty wild is some of like just their the terminology they use in some of their training sessions they have like acronyms for everything i mean it's just really dehumanizing
1: oh well, yeah and that was i think that was one of the main uh points of the documentary was how like not only is this whole process genuinely or generally kind of disgusting but by doing all these things and like turning women into numbers and into like, you know, this many lays or whatever else you're, you're, and, you know, setting yourself up to get turned down 90 times so you can go home with 10 women. Like the whole thing just dehumanizes everybody involved in the process. And it just, it, it takes all the joy out of what, what you're doing, the way these guys were doing it. It was obvious that they were not happy
0: well, and just, and, and we'll get, we'll get into this, but like in some of this, this discussion, some of the stuff that they're, these tactics are using are, are I mean, obviously aside from being extremely cringy, um, they're really borderline. Like they're really bordering on some really abhorrent and in times criminal behavior. One of these, these, uh, terms I wanted to touch base on here, uh, when they're teaching their students, I don't forget which instructor it was, but they're talking about LMR which is last minute resistance, and they're talking oh, about yeah. the, the difference oh. between real resistance versus token resistance, uh, meaning that women are like basically they want to they want to have sex with you, but they have to put up like a front like they don't want to, and you have to overcome that because like they really want to, but society says they have to kind of resist it. So you have to overcome that resistance. That's what quote unquote token resistance is. Uh, so it brilliant. sounds like you're trying to convince somebody to something they don't want to do. <laughs> uh, personally, what it sounds something like to me. But I mean, so, so some of the ways, some of the ways they approach things is just, it's just wild. Again, that's clearly illustrated. They're talking about these boot camps that some of these these students sign up for. First of all, they're crazy expensive. But like the documentary does show an example of of what they call an in field session at one of these boot camps, which is where these these students. Basically do like this temporary, like a week long or two week long residential program with these instructors where they go through like these training sessions and then they go out into the field to, to bars or to wherever city centers and they practice hitting on girls and practice trying to pick up girls. And the, the instructors are there kind of giving them tips and giving them instructions. And the documentary shows an example of this. And I forget the instructor's name because it doesn't matter, but it is extremely cringy because you have these men who who are walking up to this instructor and he's like quarterbacking like which groups, they call them sets by the way, a group of girls called a set. And they have like, you go talk to this set and say this, and you go over here and say this. It just, it looks like it'd be like if you were there in real life and you saw this happening, you'd be like, there is a team of serial killers working in this bar right now um, to either kill people or they're sex traffickers, because this is extremely coordinated behavior. It just seems so out of place. It's the whole,
1: the whole process is cringy. And I don't know if we mentioned these, these uh, instructors have taken on terms like guru Mm -hmm. and they're leading like these huge conventions type things, basically, where they'll have a couple hundred people in there and they'll talk about picking up women. And then, you know, whoever wants to contribute money or like to, to pay money to go to these, these camps. And it's basically like a technical college, except, when you get out of it, you don't know how to fix air conditioners. You just know how to pick up women and be unhappy mm-hmm. and alone.
0: And There are some, again, we're not getting into all these examples, but there are some other examples of some of the more modern day guys that are doing this kind of stuff. They do, um, they do showcase or show feature, I guess I should say uh, one of this one student, uh, his name, his name is Andrew. I think in our interview, they referred to him as Nemo. I don't know if you caught that or not, <laughs> which is, oh. which is hilarious
1: that yeah little, little little small fin nemo just trying yeah, to swing yeah. around.
0: and this guy is like you know in a way you feel bad for him because you can tell he's just so socially awkward uh he acts like a goddamn serial killer but uh, <laughs> it, it features him like showcasing like how to like how you do this stuff he's like just walking up to random people random girls and trying to talk to them and it's just it's so like it's so ham-fisted and it's just clumsy and clunky and it just like it's,
1: it's real. You feel uncomfortable for everybody. And I think another point they, they, we, they brought up in a, during the interview is that not all the people that go to these camps are like scumbags. Some of them are just looking for a wife or a girlfriend and they don't know how to go about doing that on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are looking for a sense of community. And some of them, like, they just need role models. They just grew up without fathers or without, they said a strong role, male role model for them. And they don't know how to act as, as young men out there in the real world. Mm-hmm. So just, i like to, like, just, you know, I'd like to point out that while I think all of the gurus are disgusting, disgusting people, not all of the students are equally disgusted, disgusting. Some of them are just, you know, Oh, don't know how to don't know how to succeed at life, I guess. But
0: well, and like they mentioned in the interview, and they do touch up based on, on the documentary. I mean, it is almost it becomes like a cult almost. Yeah, where you have these desperate people who are misguided and looking for guidance, or looking for some kind of influence in their life, and they find it in these instructors. And these instructors, yeah, beside it just being a money, I think what Barn how Barnaby described it as just being an mo- absolute money train for them. Yeah. Um, it is. It is kind of like a cult following. And because uh, it does, they do employ a lot of the manipulative tactics that that cults and cult leaders do. Um, but aside from that, as uh, they pointed out in the interview, and as is pointed out in the documentary, you know these 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 gurus, these instructors, they're not even living the lives they claim to live uh, for the most part. Like in the documentary, you know, there's says there's there is some allegations that like their videos they post online are staged. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if they touch base on the interview, but. Um, and the actresses, uh, some of the are uh, might be actresses. Some of these women in the videos might be actresses. And even if they're not staged and they're not actresses, I mean, the videos don't show like the, the number of failures they get talking to people versus the success rate. I mean, I think in the, in the documentary they they posited it's like a ninety-eight percent failure rate or something, uh, which, which even even using these like surefire tactics. Can you imagine what that would
1: do to your soul going out? And having 98 people reject you before two say, Yeah, I guess. Like <laughs> seriously. I mean, that's just that's gotta be soul crushing. No, no one of these guys looks like dead-eyed monsters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's not quite what it seems for sure. And at the end of the at the end of the documentary, obviously Ross Jeffries, who Ross Jeffries and a guy named Paul Paul Jenka, I think his name is. Yeah, Jenka or Jenko. You know, they're both guys who are like early in on the industry and they both obviously they both regret of, they both kind of has, have disavowed the industry as it is. They see like kind of the the errors of their ways in the past, and the way Ross Jeffries put the very end uh, for these these guys, these students, is uh you know, buyer beware, because what you're getting into isn't what you think you're getting into. You're not buying what you think you're buying. Uh, essentially, yeah. you're, you're, buying, you're buying a load of shit. It's what you're buying. Yeah. And I think many, many kind of in the documentary, many Lane, who's a she's a dating coach. She used to be part or at least she was somewhat involved in the industry at one point and then she realized what it was and she got out of that. Now she does it. She's a dating coach where she tries to help men like see their value. And she's like approaching it for a more positive, probably more constructive.
1: Yeah. That's angle. Seems like a lot better way to go about it than the way that these gurus do.
0: Yeah. And so she, she, you know, she says like, listen, like some guys need help, but it's not like, this isn't this isn't the help they need like this isn't yeah. this isn't going to get them what they think they want so she, she was she made she she made a lot of good points in the, in the documentary so overall this this is this is what I'll say and I think this they, they pointed this out in the interview too it would have been easy for them to make this documentary and just say look at these fucking losers and these these dweebs and these nerds they could they could talk to girls and they I mean and that's how that, it's cringy the whole thing's fucking cringy and it, that would have been an easy, easy thing to say, but the, the point they wanted to make the documentary the point, I think they make very well in documentary is that, first of all, it's scary that there is a certain number of success rate. You know, there is, there's a certain success yeah. rate with these tactics, which is unfortunate and scary. And also that, you know, the, the other, the, the, the other effects, the sprawling effects of this industry it, it goes beyond just the cringiness and even the immediate harm it might have like on a woman in an encounter, but there's, I mean, these guys are getting scammed. There's a financial aspect to this. There's yeah. the more long-term. And then we, we kind of touched base on it too. I mean, since this documentary came out, like you said, this was filmed before me too. So this, this came out, this was all kind of made before the whole me too thing really blew up as to what it is today. And
1: one one of the positive effects of, of me Too, the me too movement is that, organizations like this have been pushed like I feel like farther underground it's not they're not as prevalent as they were because and,
0: and I don't know if I don't know I can't remember if this is actually in the interview but when we talked to Matthew and Barnaby you know they said that what ended up happening is that these guys they just rebranded so now instead of being like pickup artists now they're lifestyle coaches and they're financial advisors which is crazy
1: you know as it, it as long as they're not doing what they have been doing, which is just completely ruining hundreds of young men at a time and convincing them to be equally scumbag-ish.
0: See, but or- I, think, I think they do it, but they just do it under a different title now. They do it under a different banner. Ugh. You know what I mean? This is like that whole, like, you got to be an alpha, man. Don't be a baited cuck, bro. You know what I mean? I think that's, that's, that's what this is. You know, whole that whole, yeah. So overall, what did you think about this documentary? Well, I would say
1: that initially when we were approached about this and I read what it was going to be about, I was not interested to me. It didn't sound like something that I was overly interested in, Uh, but then I watched the documentary and it's really good. I mean, all in all, I was, I was very pleased with the documentary. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm encouraging, I'm actively encouraging other people to watch it.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, I thought it was good. I thought it was well done there's uh, some of the flow to me, it seems like a little, a little busy, I guess, as we all say it, there's, they throw a lot of like lingo at you. There's a lot to you. I mean, it's, it can be dense in spots. That's not a negative thing necessarily, but you know, overall, I think it is a good documentary. I think it is very informative. Like I said, it would have been easy for them. They said it too. It would be easy for them to make a documentary and just make these guys look like assholes and don't get me wrong, these guys, these pickup artist guys, they do look like assholes. But it's, it's fair, though, because that's how they want to be seen. Yeah. You know, like they said in the interview, the, their biggest issue, their biggest concern is not looking bad, it's looking fake. As long as they look real, they don't care if people don't like them. I think one of the guys, the Maximilian guy or whatever, I think he says in the documentary, like, you don't want to be loved by everybody. You want to be uh, loved by some and hated by some, but you don't want to be liked by everybody. So that's just, that's just their mentality. You know, they're, they're shock kind of guys. That's how they make their money. And, um, so like assholes I don't think is a concern of theirs, but yeah, I I think it was fair. I think it was good. I think it's informative. Um, I think it's worth a watch. So on a rating scale from zero to six beers, how many beers would you need to drink to watch it again? I would say zero. Like I
1: said, I, I've been encouraging people to watch it. I was like I said, initially I wasn't, it didn't seem like something I was interested in, but after I watched it, I, I really genuinely enjoyed it. Uh, and I also really enjoyed our interview with, with Matthew and Barnaby. There were some really cool guys. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, I, I, I don't, uh, it's not cause I need it, but I'll have a couple pints. I'll have a couple pints with Matthew. And Barnaby. I'll have a pint or two with Matthew and Barnaby while we watch this again. Um, hey, they said they come through the area every once in a while on road trips, We should. Get together for a pint. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I think. But, but yeah, so that is that is the pickup game. Check it out. Uh, you can stream it, rent it. But yeah, so once again, we want to say thank you to Matthew and Barnaby O'Connor for their time and for discussing this with us. We, it meant a lot to us. really appreciated it. And as always, make sure you guys subscribe, rate and review. Uh, that's how we're going to keep growing this thing. If you guys have any suggestions, uh, if you guys have any documentaries you want us to cover, anybody you'd like us to talk to, if you want to talk to us, uh, hit us up on our socials, on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, Twitter's is at For Real Pod. Uh, hit us up at the email as cancel the podcast, cancel the podcast at gmail.com.
1: I, I made that mistake twice and, and you enunciate it every time. Cancel the podcast, cancel the podcast.
0: I I just want to make sure everybody goes to the right place. All right? I don't want anybody sending their love letters to the wrong place. That's fair. I'm just looking out. It's fair. But uh, anyway, I'm Special K. I'm Matt. We'll see you guys next time.